Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. San Siro with fans then. Hello everyone and welcome to Three Men in Milan, an unofficial AC Milan Serie A podcast. I'm Andy and coming up today, we'll cast an eye over that thumping win over Cagliari, look at the latest goings on elsewhere in Serie A and take an in-depth look at Milan's Champions League group opponents. Before all of that, let me introduce my very own Ivanovic and Essien to help with proceedings. <laughs> say hello Jack. Hello. And say hello John. Hello, I'm not going to do an accent. <laughs> Jack, two two questions for you. Uh, do you have as much trouble reading letters as, my, as Michael Essien does? And um, uh, did you enjoy that lovely win Sunday night as well? Uh, well, the, some some European teams' names trip me up sometimes. I think uh, last year's Europa League draw was harder than this year's Champions League, so I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. Um, but as far as the game goes, I absolutely lo- loved it. The first half especially was fantastic. Um, one thing I was unfortunately unable to get the benefit of was the fans as I watched it in my local um, and they didn't have the sound blaring, but uh, it was great to at least see all the flags and all the cheering and everything. Absolutely fantastic to see the San Siro back to life, even if it was, was it 50% capacity? Yeah, I think that's the rule at the moment, but obviously yeah. I don't, how many how many games do they sell out before, the, uh, before COVID, John? Is it normally like 75% full? Yeah, yeah. It, the, the upper tier tended to... Um, be closed uh, and only it's only really the derby that would sell out properly but um, but yeah it was good it was still still nice to have back absolutely absolutely Um, and I have watched the highlights again uh, just because I enjoyed the goals so much and you can hear the fans coming through loud and clear on them so it's good to see them but in terms of the football itself uh, some of it was absolutely wonderful Um, we'll get on to the goals but Giroud's uh, I think it's his first one wasn't it Um, that was an absolutely beautiful move fantastic football and um, last week was a bit attritional compared to this one, um, so it was good to see them kind of let loose a little. Yeah, Jack's mentioned it, John. So we'll, we'll talk about that first goal for Giroud and Milan's third, as that was the pick of the bunch, was as the goals were concerned, and probably one of the best goals we've seen Milan score as a team goal in for quite a while. Let's be honest; it was absolutely brilliant. The movement of Teo Hernandez was absolute world class. First absolutely. time finish from the other Frenchman Giroud, and a lovely pass from Brahim Diaz, who I thought showed his quality in this game as well. It was um, oh, it was breathtaking. Really, it was lovely. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you've called out Teo there because he, he, for me, he makes this goal. Um, he picks the ball up from deep and drives through, drives into the middle, drives through the center, and, and keeps going with his run. Um, and the movement, he he sort of drifts to the right and then dives back across, and it, it just pulls Giroud's marker away from him and leaves him in acres of space. And as you say, the finish was was absolutely sublime. You know, the ball's bubbling up and just jumps up a little bit for him to sweep it in into the far corner with his left foot. And you know, that's what he's been brought in to do. He's he's there in the box to to just finish those chances. And I mean, we could hope. For, I mean, touch wood, but curse the number nine. You know. It certainly didn't seem to be an effect there. He's already broken it, as far as I'm concerned. Two goals, <laughs> two goals on his home debut did more than uh, Mario did in six months. So um, uh, <laughs> that curse is buried as far as I can say. But yeah, Teo and that, you're right. He's he does all the heavy lifting in this goal. There's just it's it's weird because what he does is exactly what he should do, but but the defender falls for it because it's such dynamic play and running. It's happened so quickly. He's, he's so quick and it, it just doesn't give them time to, to sort of 
properly assess the situation. And, you know, the Brahim's drawn drawn one man to him and Teo spots that dives into the gap and it pulls pulls the defender away. And um yeah, it's just perfect. It's a perfect goal and, and really uh really well worked. I really liked it. um not just in that me, but elsewhere as well. Um we kind of mentioned it last week that they seem to take one touch too many before releasing the pass. Whereas in this game I think they, they were much better at getting that pass out as soon as they can. But about the goal, John said everything. Teo's movement was absolutely crucial and fantastic. Um, brilliant finish, especially when the ball was bobbling up halfway to his knee almost. Um, and yeah, a nice little pass into him from Diaz as well. Lovely, lovely goal. Yeah, I mean, we'll love, that was the third goal, wasn't it? Put Milan 3-1 up. We'll be like, there was four goals for Milan and this. Two of them were, well, there weren't anything to talk about, were they? There was the the huge deflection and a penalty. But the first one was an absolute peach as well, Jack, from Sandro Tonali, who probably had the best game in a Milan shirt we've seen from him in his short career. Yeah, he uh, he started getting some really good form up towards the end of this, um, last season, um, but then for some reason wasn't getting played. <laughs> Not as often as we'd have liked to have seen him anyway. Um, but maybe that method has worked. Maybe um, Pioli knew what he was doing after all because he's he started this season absolutely flying. I thought he was fantastic last week and he was even better this week. And his free kick was, uh, well, <laughs> you always get these gets these comparisons where I'm going to say it was Pirlo-esque, um, the way he just curled it in, dropped it over the wall, beautiful. Um, but yeah, his all-round play throughout the game was fantastic. And yeah, I'd agree with you, it was probably his best game in the Milan shirt. With set pieces like that, who needs Hakan? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hakan, Hakan, who... Um, uh, but that Pirlo comparison is crazy because there's a video I've seen online where they splice in a Pirlo free kick and they just go back frame by frame between the two and they're literally identical. <laughs> and it's a little bit unnerving, really. But it's um, uh, it was a lovely, lovely finish from the uh, the young Italian. Yeah, but I mean, that's I don't know. I don't want to say that's where the Pirlo comparisons ends, but I do think he's a different player. I think he adds a lot more dynamism. To his game, he carries the ball out so well. Um, he'll often pick it up between the centre backs and then run it up the pitch to the halfway line from like a goal kick or something. He, he does that so well. Um, I think <laughs> let's hope if he carries on, we'll be saying uh, someone's the next Tonali in twenty years' time. <laughs> yeah, that would be nice. Um, he, as we've just said, John, he's in f- fine form. Coming back from the international break, uh, Frank Kesse should be fit. He's not joined Ivory Coast, we're led to believe, so we should have two weeks more recovery. Do you play Kessie and Benacer if they're both fit, or do you play Kessie and Tonali? Do you think he deserves to stay in the starting eleven? It's a difficult one, yeah. isn't it? Um, well, apparently maybe it not. Is, <laughs> I, I, I think the form Tonali's shown so far, I think he's he's almost the first name on the team sheet at the minute. I think he's he's been key and in the in the games we've had and, and he's really helped just control the game. He's um his sort of ability to to sort of dictate the tempo and and as Jack says, you know, pick the ball up, drive us forward. Um it is similar to what to what Benasser does. Um but obviously with Benasser's fitness and coming back from, from COVID it's it's still unknown as to what state he's in. But I think whilst Tanali is in form, I think it would only hurt him to drop him. Um, it would hurt his confidence, so I, I'd like to see him carry on and, and see how far we can go because this is what we we hoped for. Um, this is the potential that we saw in him, uh, and a lot of people did see in him. So I think he's earned the right to, to hold on to his place. Um, minor criticism: I, I think he defensively he needs to maybe improve slightly. I think he it was um, it was his man who uh, he he didn't track properly that that scored the goal for for Cagliari. Um, Kind of let him go, and poor little Calabria ended up with a two-on-one. And, um... I think um, all of Milan were at sixes and sevens there. Like Kroonich uh, probably could have closed Jao Pedro down on the edge, but he stuck with his man when he should have dealt with the imminent danger, the imminent threat, which is Jao Pedro when he's thirty yards yards out with the with the ball at his feet. Um, and then in the end, Tamori came out, which left Kier at the back on his own, got dragged to one side by their man. So Calabria was left with that two-on-one. I think it was just. Um, it, was a, it was a good goal by Cagliari, don't get me wrong, but I think, uh, yeah, like you said, there are plenty of mistakes by Milan, including Tonali, but I think there are a few others as well who uh, can share the blame in that one. I mean, it's difficult to predict what Pedro's going to do there because it's, it's a wonderful pass. I don't think anyone would have uh, put any money on him in floating the ball in like that with such um, precision. I mean, 
that's probably the only blight on this game, really, wasn't it? Is that they didn't keep a clean sheet. They were dominant for 88 of 90 minutes, apart from this two-minute period where Cagliari scored. And um, personally, it was a little bit like, oh, here we go. I did. Lance tied so brightly, and then we were one-one. But luckily, they turned it. They did turn it around. Not luckily, but like. Well, it was luckily to be fair. <laughs> um, I, I didn't. Goal, I didn't. Yeah. I did enjoy Br- Brahim running off like Inzaghi, but he did restrain himself <laughs> after about ten yards, even though he just scored <laughs> off his ass. Yeah, he got a little bit embarrassed. Didn't he? <laughs> yeah. they, they, they took the goal off him in the end. It's gone down as a Liao um, goal, as it was on target. So the. Uh, Dubious so, uh, goal panel, or however you say that in Italian. As, um, that's a uh, Teo Hernandez assist for my fantasy team. Thank you very much. Oh, <laughs> oh that means it is for mine as well. So that's and, probably, and probably... my... <laughs> oh, for God's sake. Right. You finally removed an, inter, an interplayer, Jack. No, I think I, had him, I think I had him the whole time alongside the interplayer. Well, if you've not removed any, as we've spoken about, it doesn't count. <laughs> so it doesn't matter, doesn't matter, does it? But no, it's... Um, yeah, it was very lucky... Yeah, it wasn't. I suppose Milan were on top the entire time, but yeah, that was a. It, took, it was the, probably the largest deflections I've ever seen. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was absolutely ridiculous. It <laughs> went from one side of the goal to the other, didn't it? Yeah, yeah, it really. It's also really the angle of it. I mean, it's bounced up and like come right in the top corner. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was. Yeah, but sometimes you know you need that bit of luck. And it's a shame. I mean, granted, Lee has been given the goal, but um, after his his miss in the uh, in the opening few minutes. Um, I think he could have probably done with that for a, for a bit more, a bit of a confidence booster. Yeah, because I was just about to move on to Liao in general, and he, I think he looks a lot better this mm. season so far. Granted, it's only been two games, but he's had two really guilt-out chances. He had that one in the Samp game, which was a good save, to be fair, and then the one really early in this game where he hesitates so much, and you just think, yeah. oh, that is really like... The death nail for a striker, striker and attacker, isn't it? Just that hesitation and good position. Yeah, I th- but he rebounded well. Yeah, I think he had a good game. I think in that instance, I think he was waiting for the keeper to commit. But um, in that situation, the top strikers just back themselves to beat the keeper, whether they commit or not, whether they guess yeah. right or not. Giroud did not hesitate one second when he struck that lovely third goal in. Um, so maybe it's lesson learned this weekend. Maybe uh, next time he's in that situation, I'll know to just pull the trigger. That's what learning is all about, what being a young footballer is all about. But I agree, he looks a lot better. We were saying at the end of last season, uh, I don't know if we said it in the pod or just privately, but uh, we, we were saying we wouldn't be wholly disappointed if Liao ended up leaving. We might be able to get a fair bit of money from him, given the clubs that were kind of being thrown around with his name, like Barcelona, I think, were in there. United might have been in there as well. So I think uh, perhaps perhaps we'll uh, get to see the best of him now. It's taken hope seems- the biggest issue with Liao has always been his work ethic. And I think in the two games we've had so far, he's really shown a willingness to to get stuck in and, and he's running in behind. For, for example, for the Shirud one, he comes inside. Wonderful, wonderful flick from Shirud, um, the little back heel that sets him away. But he's um, he's getting himself in, into the right position. But then off the ball as well, um, he, he's contributing more to the press. He's, he's switching on and doing his defensive duties a little bit better, which... Is really what we need to see from him, because um, if if we are having these kind of chances where you know it's not a nailed on goal, he's got to contribute on the other end as well. Um, he's not a luxury player, so it's uh, it's definitely a positive start to the season for him. Agreed. Um, should I have a quick word about this penalty then? Because I don't <laughs> think we don't think we all agree. I think it's very harsh, and um, I'll make an argument that it's not a penalty because it's not in the area. But VAR says differently, so it is. But don't get me wrong; I'll take it. Topped off a very good first half performance, so much so that no one needs to do anything for the second forty-five minutes. Which is, <laughs> I think everybody just had a gentleman's agreement in the tunnel that the game was done. <laughs> that was it. But yeah, I think I don't know. There's the the way off races is like you. There's an argument here that VAR's done exactly its job, as it's caught something that the referees missed, and there's another argument that says that. Why does did did VAR really need to catch that? In one sense, it wasn't. It's not like a a, a terrible red card or miss a, like um what's the word uh, uh, wrong identity or anything like that. Like mistakes that really need to be rectified. Well, I think the ref gave a free kick initially because he books him before the VAR interve- intervenes, and I think at that stage, because the ref has said it was a foul, the VAR then has to go. Well, was it in the area because it's very tight. 
and it adjudicated to be in the area because it's on the line, which counts as in the area. Yeah. Um, I think it is a penalty. I'm not sure what the player's doing. Maybe it's just a reflex that he couldn't stop to kind of protect himself a little, but he raises his elbow into the ball, I think. Um, and I think it is on the line, so I think it was a correct decision. But, um, yeah, it's one of those where if it hadn't been given and no one looked back at it, no one would be like, what, what on earth happened there? It had just been a corner, which is what I thought it was when we were watching the game. But, yeah, I think it's a yeah. correct decision. I, I agree. I, I think it's... Um... As you said, I think it is VAR working as intended. Um, the referees clearly see the handball, as Jack said, because the, the card was out and the decision was given, and then um, he's sort of on the line and leaning back into the area. So it's um, it's correct. And you know, in this situation, it wasn't massively important. You know, we were sort of three one up and cruising, but it could equally have been a ninety eighth minute situation where we need a uh, you know we need a goal to qualify for the Champions League. Um, it, it's it's still just got to be implemented the same way at all times. Fair enough. That puts me in my place, I suppose. <laughs> on, that, on, that, on that one, Democ- as we as we always say, democracy rules. So, it's uh, VAR working as intended for the first time ever. Maybe. <laughs> there we go. But um, uh, finally, then on this game, as like I said, it wasn't really ninety minutes. It was more like forty-five and added time because second half was the most non-event ever. But at least we had five goals in the first forty-five minutes to talk about. Um, we Milan have struggled at home for the past eighteen months. John, um, do you think those struggles are now over now that their fans are back, or am I getting a bit of ahead of myself because of a, due to a poor Cagliari team here? Um, I don't know if they're. It's it's probably a little bit early to say that they're necessarily over. Um, time will tell. But I mean, Cagliari aren't in. An amazing team they went in, and you know they come off the back of a two-two draw with Spezia on the opening day, um, where they were two-nil down at, um, at one point. So this isn't like we've gone and beaten you know Inter or Juve, but the fact that we have gone and won the game is is a big is a big plus, um, and won it in such fashion, um, getting going early. Um, you know, I talked last week about wanting a statement win, um, and I've, I felt we kind of limped over the line a little bit. Um, but this was much more of that, much more of the, uh, you know, women and we're going to boss this game. And as you say, the second half was a bit of a non-event, but, you know, it had had we really turned the screw, we could have gone on and got, got several more goals. And, and we are still without the likes of Ibra and um, Rebic, sorry. <laughs> um, I'm trying to remember his name. I know Rebic came on towards the end there and he, had a, he did have a good chance towards uh, the end of that second half, but he's obviously still struggling to find his way back into the team. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I hope that the uh, well, if they can sort out their home form, we know their away form is fantastic. So, it should be uh, thirty-eight from thirty-eight, hopefully. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so it shouldn't be shouldn't be too bad. But um, uh, yeah, we'll see. the 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 game coming up after the international break is obviously Lazio at home, and um, they've started in fine fashion as well. So, I suppose that's really this. If we win that one, four-one. That will confirm to me that the home troubles are over, but um, we'll uh, we'll get to that next week when we preview that game. Uh, right, listen, let's take a quick break now, and then we'll be back and we'll look at how um, Lazio and all the other Serie A sides got on on match day two. See you in a minute. Tenali will strike in. It. It's a simply stunning goal. AC Milan lead at San Zero. Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to Three Men in Milan. Let's uh, cast our eye over Serie A and match day two. Let's start at Juventus uh, Chaps. Um, they, lo- they lost a newly promoted Empoli. And obviously, people will remember last year when they lost to Benevento. And that was a shock. And it, it was at home as well. And um, they were they battered Benevento. And it's just one of those games. But Juve were dreadful. In this game, weren't they, Jack? Just awful. Yeah, it's really, really, really bad. <laughs> like, um, they they seem to have had eighteen shots, of which five were on target, which is already a pretty bad accuracy. But um, I don't remember any of those. Certainly, they seem to be more hit in hopes than any real chances that were going to win the game or get them back in the game. I thought Empoli were impressive. I thought they held they held their own very well. They um. They attacked at the right time. They they pressed at the right time. It was good good to see from them. But um, 
I don't know, we can get into Juve's tactics, I'm sure, all day long. But, I mean, Chiesa and Dybala kind of up front together. Um, it just seems, I don't know, I don't know what their plan was in that game. It just did not seem clear to me. Um, I think they had Danilo in midfield as well, a right back. So, um, yeah, it, it all seemed a bit odd to me. But yeah, I mean, we, we won't talk about transfers um, really that much this week because the transfer window is, I think, it's literally just closed as we, as we record. So there'll be loads of like stuff we'll miss if we do it this week. So we'll go through that in depth next week. But we've got to mention that Ronaldo has left Juventus. He's rejoined Man United. And I mean, from a commercial point of view, probably great for Juve. Gets him off that, gets him out of that huge contract and stuff. But I mean, I thought, what are they going to do up front, John? Like His goals are just like, basically he's one of the only people who scored for Juve. It's like, I mean, I don't see, do you see Dybala scoring 20 plus goals this season? I don't even know what position he plays anymore. Does he play out wide? Does he play up front? Is he a second striker? Like, he's a talent that's just stagnating. Yeah, he's, he is in the last year of his contract now. Um, so it'd be interesting to see whether he is going out there to put himself in the shot window or whether he's like looking to earn himself a new contract. But um, yeah, I, I think, as you say, they've got a lot of what I would probably call either second strikers or wide forwards. Um, they don't really have a focal point in their attack anymore. Um, the likes of Kulisevsky, Chiesa, Dybala, none of them really can be like that, lead the line. Uh, I know they've brought in Moise Keane back um, you know, on a two-year loan. But again, he's very young, very raw. Is he the one who's who's going to come in and, and fill... Uh, Ronaldo's boots. I, I think it, that's that's asking a lot. Um, and then obviously they've got Alvaro Morata, who who's hit and miss at the best of times, isn't he? He's not someone you really want to rely on to uh, to go and bang you thirty plus goals a season. That's literally the best definition for Alvaro Morata because he hits them and then he misses them. <laughs> I, think that's, I think that's like he's he's just he's so inconsistent. You could also call him offside boy because he loves being he loves scoring fantastic goals that are just. Marginally offside. Yeah. That's I, a think, um, superhero name. I know Chiellini's been there for a long, long time, but he's got more goals than Morata, and Morata has played 95 games there. So, like, Chiellini is 27 to Morata's 26. It's, I, I know we're talking apples and oranges a little there, but it just, I just don't think Morata is good enough, as you've mentioned, to lead the line for Juve. Um, Are you but, suggesting yeah. that they play Chiellini up front as a target? <laughs> The, Not the, the worst idea you've ever had, to be honest, <laughs> considering the flying wingers they got. <laughs> Rather than Morata, yeah, I'd say so. But um, <laughs> I think they they still have absolutely fantastic players um, left at the club. I mean, the defence maybe is getting old, but um, Chiellini at the Euros was fantastic. De Ligt is a young young defender who can certainly be the best in years to come. I'm talking in the world there. Um but they've still got a fantastic midfield with Locatelli new in there. Um, Arthur obviously hasn't really done much since he joined, but uh, there's a lot of talk around him being the next big thing. But those flying wingers, Kaiser and Kulazewski, you got to just put them on the wing and tell them to run at the defence. Like, don't need to overcomplicate it, which seems to be what happened this weekend. Um, but those two, I think you could build the, the team around. Yeah, that's I mean, I, that's what I would do. I would play a false nine with Dybala in that. False nine with and let Chiesa do all of the attacking off him because yeah. he's just well. Net with Ronaldo gone, is he the superstar name in the league now? Lukaku's gone, like possibly. He's um yeah. he's that good, but yeah, uh, he, he had a fantastic end to last season. He joined in January, didn't he? Actually, I think no, he? no, he joined this no. time last year. Did he? Okay, yeah. Well, yeah, he he had an excellent season. Uh, certainly the end of the season and then an excellent Euros uh, with Italy as well where they obviously got the trophy um, and I think he can kick on and, and carry on and do that um, for Juve but a uh, star name in the league yeah you'd probably look at him um, I'm trying to think who else you might look at uh, Ibra yeah Ibra's there obviously at 40 <laughs> um, yeah but Chiesa he's just something else uh, I think just let him play where he wants to play and don't faff around with it yeah, I mean, Ronaldo, I don't want to put too much on Ronaldo leaving Juve because his output was going down so much. But I think it just throws it just throws that Scudetto race wide open now, I think. Because they're not going to be, they're going to struggle to get 
as many goals, and it's just that his presence in general sort of will would have worried defenders and opened up space for them. I just think that. Well, I mean, personally, I tweeted about it earlier earlier this week. I think with Milan of favourites, now. Milan favourites for the title. Everyone else is weaker, Milan well, is stronger. Milan finish ahead of a Juve with Ronaldo, um, and I can't remember how far off they were in, from Inter. But Lukaku and Hakimi are massive um, players to lose for them. I, I think Inter will still do well, probably better than I predicted in our season preview, having seen them in the last couple of games, but. Yeah, Milan certainly they've they've been able to strengthen the team, whereas their main rivals Juve and Inter had to um, lose key players. The twelve points the difference was last season between Milan yeah. and second and Inter at top. How many did Lukaku get for that? Absolutely, exactly. So let's just say that was he got them ten points. So there's two points now, which also means from Napoli in fifth. You've got a difference about four or five points between them all. I genuinely think it's it's quite tight there, but yeah, I think Milan are definitely on the up and up. I mean, you've mentioned the into there, saying that they've been more impressive than you thought. Um, they left it late, John. Away was it away? I think it was yeah. away at, at Verona. Um, I think everyone's been a bit like everyone expected Inter to just be this like complete dumpster fire because that's like what they've portrayed in the media with their like terrible running of the club. But obviously, they've still got good players. But at the same point, they've not been tested at, at all. I'd like to see how they get on at a Roma, at a Napoli, before I'd say that they they're in like they're guaranteed a top four finish sort of thing. Yeah, I, I mean they've lost big players in um, in Lukaku and Hakimi as you mentioned, but they have brought in um, some decent quality. Denzel Dumfries had had a fantastic Euros as well um, with Holland. Um, he will whilst he isn't Hakimi, he, he's certainly. Um, you know, a capable uh, replacement. And then, obviously, whilst I wasn't overly impressed with uh, Edin Dzeko coming in, but I think Joaquin Correa coming in from Lazio is, is a good move for them. Uh, he knows the manager well, um, and I think he's. Uh, I think he'll do. He'll do really well with with uh, with Inter. Um, obviously, have that relationship with uh, with Lautaro, who looks to be staying as well. Um, so yeah, not not as. Uh, in as bad a position as, as it looked like at one point they would be, but you know, as you say, that once they uh, once they start the games start coming against the tougher teams and and that that Champions League group stage starts and and there's a lot more games coming in, we'll, we'll have to see how they get on. Yeah, they got a horrible run from the end of September. Um, Atalanta at home, Shakhtar away, Sassuolo away, Lazio away, Sheriff at home. Granted, Sheriff, I don't know much about them, but um, it's another game to chuck in a already so banana skin as well, isn't it? That's yeah. the thing. It's and a, then, it's a no-win um, situation for them. And then Juve after that, um, running from, so from the that first game is on the 26th of September to, and the last is on the 24th of October. So that's a whole month of games where they have to be absolutely on it. It's going to be a tough, tough run for them, I think. There's a lot of away games in there as well and, and travel. Yeah. Um, which will, will impact them um, think the the trips uh particularly the, the european trips um the european trip to, to Shakhtar won't be uh won't be pleasant no and of course to meet up with someone in the Zerbi who will know exactly how to beat them um yeah. as well from his knowledge of Serie A but yeah Inter picked up another three points disappointingly he um 3-1 flattered them I thought to be honest um I don't want to say they shouldn't have won the game but a draw would have been fine but 3-1 was definitely too much with that late, late goal from Correa to give the separation. Um, just so everybody, it will be for everyone who's bleating on about Hakan being the the next best thing. Um, terrible in this game, worst <laughs> rating of all twenty-two players on the pitch. And uh, when I told you that he'd had his one game of thirty-eight, there it was. <laughs> and that, that was it. So he was subbed off. I can't remember when, but it was uh, in the middle of the second half. So put it that way. Um, moving on to the two teams that are leading the way at the moment, both from the capital, Lazio and Roma picked up another three points apiece. They both scored. They scored ten between them this weekend, chaps. Six for Lazio and four for Roma. For everyone who doubted Sari and Mourinho when they brought in as sort of busted flushes, John, so far they've been proved wrong again. They've played basically promotion candidates, uh, sorry, relegation candidates, excuse me, 
the entire, yeah. but for both of those games. But I mean, personally, Lazio in particular, look, they look good under and, and Sarri. I think they look better than Roma and Mourinho. They do, they do, and and um, particularly in this this game against Spezia, you know, they they reacted well to going behind. Um, it would have been easier to easy to to sort of huff and puff and, and struggle, but they they had a really rapid rapid response. I think they were they were only behind for around ninety seconds or so. Um, so yeah, it, it was it was from their point of view very good, but um, you know they're still they're another one who who I don't think are particularly weaker than last year. So I, th- I think they could step on and, and you know obviously we've heard they've um, signed the Canyon today, which is uh, is a bit of a disappointment from our point of view. But um, I think he's a he's a more than adequate replacement for Correa and uh, Chiro Mobley just continues to to bang goals in um, left, right, and centre. You know he's. Uh, I think he's he's not not far off being the being the the record goal scorer um, now. So yeah, they, I think they'll be a threat. I think they'll they'll improve um, on on their position from last year. And by the looks of it, they uh, they could push in and, and challenge for the Champions League. Yeah, I think uh, the next round of fixtures, obviously Milan play Lazio, um, Roma play Sassuolo as well. Sassuolo, I don't know if they will be the same Sassuolo as last year. Obviously, losing Locatelli and Deservey as well at the helm, um, but I think they're the tougher games than what they've already had. Uh, I think it's when you play your fellow top seven and maybe even the likes of Sampdoria away, Fiorentina in a way, Empoli at home. Apparently, um, that's when you kind of <laughs> kind of get your tests in, isn't it? And when you kind of dis- discover what sort of team you're up against. I think they've um, they've transitioned really well into the four three three, mostly under. Uh, in Zaghi, they they played with a with a back three, um, but they they seem to they don't seem to have missed a step um, going into Sari's four three three. So, yeah, I think the instructions stone a test to come, but one to watch, I think. Yeah, talking of ones to watch, I think it's Immobile's second goal. Uh, it's just a fantastic team goal volley from about twenty yards as well. Really, really, really good. And um, yeah, it's a good thing they've adapted to four three three because they certainly aren't going to pay anything else, are they? <laughs> under <laughs> under Sarri, to be fair. But um, I mean, to give Roma their due, Tammy Abraham looks like a cracking bit of business. I mean, Salonatana, bless them, first home game in Serie A, they they didn't get out of first gear. I mean, I suppose it was nil nil at half time, but they were at Roma were much the better side, and um, Jordan Virtu really pulling the strings for them most with the. Pellegrini in the middle of the park there but they look good but we'll see how they get on when they play someone decent and also the uh, both of these teams in the Europa League so they're going to have uh, difficult fixes at some point well, especially they, they play each Roma. other on the 26th of September Roma in the Conference League aren't they? Oh that's right yeah so they got, they'll probably have even further to travel <laughs> thinking about it with that with all, the, on, all on a Thursday though isn't it? Mm. Bodo Glimt in, in Roma's group who uh, obviously Milan played last year with Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Jens Peter Hauger fame. I wonder when they play that game in away in Glimt. Because if it's in December, that will not be fun. <laughs> All the way up in Norway in December. But we'll uh, we'll see. But yeah, they've got a terrible run where you look at it. They've got Lazio, Juventus and Napoli within four match days. So, like, if they win all of them, they'll be they'll be in the conversation. If they lose all of them, they're back where we thought they'd be, which is fifth and sixth. So, you never know. Um, I'll wrap through a quicker few of the fixtures. Uh, Udinese picked up a home win, three um, nil at Venezia, who um, haven't really k- picked up 
kicked on yet this season, but we'll see what they do after the international break. Um, Fiorentina beat Torino 2-1. In what I'm told, it was a pretty entertaining game, actually. Fiorentina looked good for their... I was good for the three points, and um, a couple of nil-nil draws. Sassuolo and Sampdoria bore draw there, and Atalanta and Bologna nil-nil. Jack, that's Atalanta. I know it's only been two games, but they barely won in the first week away at Torino, ninety-fourth minute. I think they picked up the victory there, and now nil-nil. You don't associate Atalanta with nil-nils, do you? Yeah, um, twenty-two shots, only three on target. Um, probably tells the story there. They didn't have their shooting boots on. Um, so yeah, you certainly don't expect that from Atalanta. They they have in the past. I think they were last season's top scorers, if I recall correctly. Um, but even before that, they've always been free scoring and entertaining, and it's kind of one of the teams that everyone loves to see in Europe. You know, um, but yeah, not happening. Well, they got the win on the first first game. Um, sometimes winning scrappy is kind of you know the old cliche, the mark of champions. But uh, they couldn't get over the line in this one against Bologna. I think this this game, I think it's, it was a bit of a testament to Bologna's um, Bologna's defense uh, of those of those twenty two shots. Ten of them were blocked by Bologna. It wasn't um, they weren't all completely wayward, and uh, Bologna won nearly twice as many tackles during the game and and dispossessed um, twice as many times uh, as as Atalanta. So I think it was a really sterling defensive performance. Um, sprinkled in with uh, a good five or six bookings. So. <laughs> Well, of course, they had, did they have two men sent off in the first game, Bologna as well. So they there would have been changes in that uh, in that starting. Game. So it's a decent point for them. Bologna have started okay actually. Um, uh, four points from their first two games, and they're um they'll be happy with that, especially getting a away trip to Bergamo out of the way. I have, if I was an Atalanta fan, I concerns that their wheeler dealer mentality is maybe is finally catching up with them. And their their strike force getting older. They've lost their keeper and best defender. Granted, that was a fantastic deal. You're not going to turn it down. Fifty like turning sixteen million to Juve into fifty five million to Tottenham. You're going to take that every day. But I mean, is it sustainable to carry on like this, selling your best players every summer and still making it to play in what sixty five games a season? They made the cup final last year as well. So yeah, it's, it's a lot. A lot it's of hard. Games. Yeah, it's hard to do. Um, but that, I mean, how long have they been doing it like this? Because is this all new? Or because, I mean, some of their players are getting on, so they obviously haven't sold them. Like Ilicic is 33, Papu Gomez was 33 when he left last winter. Um, Zapata and Muriel, are, I think they're both approaching 30, are they? Or are already Pastor. there? Yeah, yeah so, they're definitely both 30. Yeah, yeah, they are. Um, so, I don't know, it'll be interesting to see. Um, they obviously play entertaining football when they can. Um, they bought in Coop Miners as well uh, from the Netherlands, from Alkmaar, I think it is. Um, and he looks an exciting prospect. So we'll see. It's it's early days in the season, isn't it? Um, so, yeah, I, would, I wouldn't want to write them off just yet. No, probably not. Um, finally, uh, Napoli picked up three points with a late winner away at Genoa. And they um, that completes the... 100% sides, so the two sides from Milan, the two sides from the capital and Napoli and of course Juventus five points behind that starting pack already um, oh, it's obviously only two games gone but five points is quite a lot considering they no longer got the, the guaranteed the best uh, best squad in the league like they were a few years ago when they I think they were nine points behind after four games but yeah, we'll next, see a bit. next game is Napoli away as, as well and then Milan at home like you, you could not wish for two worst games, really. Yeah. Can you imagine if they lose both of them? They'll be eleven points behind. Technically, they, hypothetically, they could be eleven points behind. Yeah. So that that would be um great. To be honest, <laughs> <laughs> it would be really lovely. They can really focus on the Champions League then, can't they? Yeah. So that would be that would be a plus. But um, uh, uh, what I was going to say? Quick update on the fantasy football. Then before we go to another break, um, I am still winning as Jack has not removed his interplayers. So there, there we go on that one. Thank you for everyone who has joined so far this week. I think we've had a few joiners. We'll keep plugging away at it until we get a uh, a reasonable amount. And like I said, we'll put a, a prize together. I think I heard Fabrizio Romano talk about another fancy one for Serie A. So maybe, we'll, maybe we're doing the wrong one, chaps. 
so maybe we'll need to look at that one. I did look at that one. Catch up. Um, there was no English language version of it. Ah, so we're, t- we're, do- so d- d- we're doing it fine as it is. But yeah, we'll keep tweeting out. It's free to play. It's good fun. And like I said, we clearly have no idea what we're talking about. So if you come out on top <laughs> in the league at the end of the season, there'll be a Rossoneri shape prize in it for you. So uh, I'll tweet that link out again. Actually, I might make it the pinned comment on our Twitter and then it's easier for everybody to look at yeah. and um, uh, get involved. But we'll take, um, take a short break now, listeners, and then we'll be back and we'll be looking at uh, Champions League group and it is um, stick around because it's got options left to right by Olivier Giroud here we go who finds his opening goal for AC Milan and the hosts are absolutely purring welcome now. back everyone you're listening to Three Men and Milan no game to preview this week as we're already in an international break however we've got something a bit more interesting to talk about actually is uh, Milan are back in the Champions League and we now know their group opponents, chap, chaps. And John, I'll let you go and tell us who they are because I think you predicted two out of three. So you got three or four because we knew Milan would be in there. Yeah, so that's uh, was, pretty was good, one actually. Pick, one pick away from having a full sweep because um, after the, the one I got wrong came out, the very next team was, was the one I predicted. So that could have been a very mystic Meg, mystic John moment. Um, Mystic John (laughs) (laughs) But yeah um, Milan will will face Atletico Madrid um, From from Pot A or Pot 1 Liverpool The the adversaries from uh, A couple of finals back uh, In the uh, the 2000s And uh, FC Porto So some some strong teams in there I think I speak for all of us when I just say Easy peasy (laughs) That's what I thought when we got that group I thought 15, 18 points through winners straight away. Done. No need to talk about it anymore. So I, I think, think it's all more, uh, more difficult, difficult, lemon, difficult. <laughs> lovely um, uh, Peter Capaldi impression there for our <laughs> learned, th- thick of it listeners. Or was that from the movie? I think oh, it was the film, wasn't it? The film. Yeah, so it's, um, let's, let's be honest, we, it was always going to be a tough group. Um, Milan were had the privilege of being the side that no one wanted in pot four. So I read an article on Sky Sports, I think it was, telling going through the British team saying who did they what was their best and worst case outcome and Milan was in all of those pots <laughs> saying they nobody wanted them because they, they are the well they are the trump card, aren't they, really, for pot four when you've got no offence to these sides but Sheriff, a team that were started their campaign when the Euros were still going on. Um, they've made all this group stage great achievement, but they don't have the pedigree that uh, Milan has, and they certainly don't have the stadium and the fans that Milan have when Atletico, Liverpool, and Porto will have to travel to Italy. So, team no one wanted. Um, unfortunately, on the other way around, we've got three very, very experienced European sides, and obviously the champions of Spain, as well as Porto didn't win the champ, didn't win. No, I think Sporting won it, didn't they? Yeah, they'd have been yeah. in pot A or pot 1, weren't they? Yeah. But yeah, obviously Liverpool, um, uh, champions of England 12 months ago, and um, Porto are perennial champions of Portugal and always qualify for Champions League. So it's going to be... We'll, um, we'll look at them in a bit more detail in a minute. But I've got some trivia for you chaps, some more trivia to carry on this theme, but this is more around the Champions League in general. And obviously, we'll get more. We'll look at uh, team-specific stuff when they maybe when we play that play them at home. Maybe I'll put them in when we play them at home, just to give it a bit of a um, give a bit of um, form for that. But first, first question for you both: um, How many years has this current format been in place in the Champions League? Do you mean takers? A do you mean eight groups? I mean then? eight um, eight groups of four, followed by a round of sixteen. So. I feel like ooh, there's a time when they had two group stages, weren't they, in the early 2000s. So I'm going to say since 2003, 2004, including that season, we've had this format. So how many years is that? 18, 17? John? Um, I think when when did my mum win it? That was 2003, wasn't it? Yeah. So I can't remember whether it was in place. Then. Do you say 3-4, Jack? Yeah, I said 2003-2004 was the first season we went back to this format that we're currently in. 
What should the uh, Porto one it, wasn't it? Yeah, I'll go with two three then. Just should have stuck with your guns, John. This Jack is bang on. <laughs> 2003 for 18 years this um uh, this format has been in been in place so 2003 it was introduced i think it's going to be 20 years on the dot when it's changed to the abomination <laughs> that is uh, upon us in the 10 10 t- two groups of 10 we don't play everyone at home and away you get so hypothetically you could get sheriff and i don't know pick another side salzburg at home and then uh, sorry, away, and then you could get Real Madrid and Barcelona at home in the yeah. same campaign, which is mental. But yeah, yeah eighteen years for so a point for Crosby. There, a bit of an easier one here. I think you'll probably both get this. When when was it rebranded the Champions League oh. from the European Cup? This was around the same time as the Premier League, wasn't it? I think it was just before. Ah, oh, I'm gonna say, oh man. 1990-91 was the first season of the Champions League. When was the Premier League again? That was... 92-93 was the first one. I'll go for that then. I'll go for the same same time. Yeah, so John's right. So it was 1992. Oh, it was rebranded. As oh, the, uh, uh, yeah. Champions League. That. <laughs> I believe... That, that was definitely uh, my answer. So I believe Barcelona were the last team to win the European Cup right. at Wembley in 92. And then I think... Did Marseille win it in 93? I think so, yeah. Yeah, with that team that shouldn't have won it because there was some issues. Dodgy goings on. Indeed, we'll get to that at another point. But um, uh, they beat Milan in that final, John. I think that they was... did. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, Papan didn't Papan win it two years in a row. Yeah, won it and then switched. Yeah. Well, that brings me on nicely to our next question. Um, we all know how many trophies Milan has. But how many finals have they been in, Ooh. chaps? So I've already seen including, in, including the wins. Yes, yeah. yeah, so obviously how many f- times have they been on the programme yeah. for the for the um, the final? I'm pretty sure I know this one. Well, seven wins. I don't know how many losses. Obviously Liverpool in 2005. We think this Marseille won. <laughs> did they lose or, oh, did they lose to Marseille? Because they lost to the Dream Team, didn't they? I'm going to yeah, go. I'm, I'm pretty sure they, yeah. And I'm they, sure. lost two in, they lost two in three years, didn't they? Right. And I swear, did they lose one in the 60s? I feel like they lost one to Benfica in the 60s. I'm going to go 11. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll go with 11. Well done. 11. 11, <laughs> 11 it is. Yeah, well done. Seven it is 11. I'm pretty sure Milan beat the Dream Team, wasn't that the, oh, wasn't that the, uh, the, oh. the headline? <laughs> well, that was luck, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, it was pretty sure that Barcelona turned up expecting a... Um, uh, an easy victory, and they lost four 0 I believe. Yeah. So, um, well, did, I thought Barca beat in the year before, and they just got revenge. I must be wrong. No, but as as we discussed, that was Samp under Mancini, oh, right, yeah. of course, not under Mancini, but with Mancini, so, absolutely. And then um, uh, this is an interesting one. So, if you can believe it, the Liverpool game in a couple of weeks' time will be their two hundred Milan's two hundred and fiftieth in the Champions League European Cup. So, so currently they've played two hundred and forty nine times how many of those games have they won we're, talk, we're talking AC Milan here not Liverpool yeah AC Milan so yeah, I don't Milan, I shouldn't so. care about Liverpool yeah, good, good. <laughs> <laughs> I just meant when they when they travel to Anfield in their first fixture yeah. that will I be reckon, 250 I reckon for a team as successful as AC Milan you're probably looking close to 60% so what's that 249 let's say oh, my math is shit uh, 135 no 140 I have no idea. No idea. Uh, I'll go... See, my instinct was just to say half, but now Jack's put 60% in my head. It kind of sounds right. So... Well, if you work out what is actually 60%, because I, I have guesstimated at 140 being 60%. But I don't think <laughs> um, now, now that I think about it, I reckon probably more, because the team of Milan's calibre reach in the Champions League, they I'll, frequently get into quarters and semis and stuff. I'll go 100 and... 60. Oh, John. Oh, John. Why didn't you go with your instinct and say half? Because the answer is half. 125. <laughs> oh, wow. 120. So I think, I think if you take into the... If you take into under... Like, not defeated, it's around about 75%. Right. But victories is bang on a half, 125. So 50.1, I think it is. Yeah. They've won. So. 
I should have stuck with your thing with you on that. And a bit of an easy like, one to. I'd like to say that was an educated comment, but that was literally just. Uh, <laughs> I have no clue about this, and I like symmetry. I just so. I just came across it, and I just thought I can't believe that a they're at two four nine. B just says we're about to look into it, and then they've turned bang on half of that as victories. But um, well, let's, let's hope it continues to be more than half. Yeah. And um, yeah, indeed. And as we get back to the group, how many trophies? are there in our group overall so Milan, Atletico Madrid Liverpool and Porto I think well, I saw this on Twitter Atletico haven't won any I think they've lost a few finals Liverpool have six, Milan have seven obviously, I think Porto have two yeah so what's that, 15? I concur 15 is correct, well done so um, I was going to look at how many finals they'd all been in but then I realised life was too short <laughs> because Atletico have been in at least like four finals, I think, and then obviously Liverpool have been in a ton of finals that they've not won, and um, I think Porto have probably been in a couple more finals than they've won as well. Yeah, but fifteen Champions League victories amongst these four club, well, amongst three clubs is kind of, I bet that's the most ever for a group stage when you think about it. There can't be, well, I suppose, well, Real Madrid have got so many, maybe, well, maybe that, but. Bayern, Barca and Benfica are together. I reckon they've got a lot. Yeah, so what's that? Like 10 between the first two and then Benfica have got one. Uh, so it'll be 11. Well, I think they won a few with you, Xavier. But yeah, that is pretty high. Could have got Ajax in there, I think, couldn't you? Yeah, possibly. Yeah, that would yeah. have been the highest possible, I think. Yeah. I think, haven't, aren't Rail with Inter? And Inter have got a few. Yeah. So that would then two. Shakhtar and Sheriff yeah. with them, so. Yeah, true. But I, don't, yeah. I mean, just with given how many rail I've got, it's probably going to push us. Well, so. yeah, true. <laughs> yeah, group group bit... A is a big fat zero, though. You love yeah. to see it. Yeah. Biggest wage budgets, though. Yeah, yeah, they get, they get that trophy, and um, uh, I don't, I don't personally, I don't think Real Madrid will be adding to that anytime soon, um, uh, with their current team. But anyway, back to our group, which is Group B. I want to say. Yeah. So the schedule is currently chaps: Liverpool away, Madrid at home, Atletico at home. I should say before anyone gets mad at me from Spain. Mm-hmm. Um, Porto away, and then the exact reverse on the mirror. So Porto at home, Atletico away, Liverpool at home to finish. So I think, personally, I'll give you my thoughts and I'll let you guys chime in. Porto on the mirror is brilliant from our perspective. I think an ending at home to a team that could potentially already be qualified in Liverpool is also very good for our chances of progression. So that's my two cents having looked at the, the schedule on that. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that obviously means Liverpool and Atletico are playing on the mirror. So that's points dropped for one, if not both of them, um, which is good. Uh, ultimately, I'm getting tongue-tied. Ultimately, Milan, I think, have to beat Porto twice. Um, if they don't do that in the mirror, uh, I think that they're, they're going to struggle to qualify. Um, it'll be interesting to see if fans do play a part. I mean, the the atmosphere at Anfield is famous, uh, that big European night atmosphere. Atletico Madrid, um, Diego Simeone works wonders with there and drills a well-oiled unit, which doesn't let in a lot of goals. So, um, yeah, those, those two games against Porto. And then, hopefully, when we're at home against Atletico and Liverpool, we can grab a point or maybe three in each of those games. Um, and what would that put us on? Maybe 10 points which can be enough to get you through, especially in a group as tight as this one is going to be. Yeah, I agree. I think Porto is, is definitely the, the foundation that we need. We definitely, they're, they're the best chance at like pulling off a double. But to be fair, we, we have got a very good away record. Um, I, do, I don't think the away games are as intimidating as they perhaps could be. Um, you know, when teams come in onto us, we've got the skills on, on the break to, to really you know, put teams to the sword. With the uh, with Liao and Rebic's pace and uh, Giroud's nous, um, so yeah, I, I'm. It's not it's not nearly as bad as it could have been, um, particularly as when the draw was being made. Our only two options were this or Paris Saint Germain and uh, Man City in, in Group A. So we definitely got the lesser of, of those two evils. Um, but yeah, I, I think we've we've got a really good opportunity here to to get through and get into the knockout. It's it's a really weird one, isn't it? So I think. I, do, I can see Milan progressing, if I'm honest. But at the same point, I could also see them finishing bottom of this group if things like go say, wrong. If they don't, if they don't turn up for the Porto game, 
the, the two Porto games, they will finish bottom. I'd rather um, finish bottom than third. I know you, you want to win agreed. games, but I mean, look what Inter's managed to do with nothing to worry about other than yeah. league games for the second half of last season. But I mean, you want to go through, you want to reach the knockout stages of the Champions League. Just avoid the Europa. The only reason mm-hmm. I, I think it might be worth trying to uh, get a bit of a Europa League run is to try and take us out of pot four um, yeah, for future true. draws because the, the coefficient's so low at the minute because we've been away for so long that any kind of run would be would be beneficial. Yeah, that's a good shout, actually. Yeah, I mean, on the on the to counter that argument, you win the league, you're in pot one. True, true. So there is, I mean, I think Leo have like a coefficient of like five. Yeah, they had the, they had the worst. One. They had the worst of the draw, even worse than Sheriff. And they're in because they, I don't think they qualify for the Europa League for a few seasons. So, I mean, let's not get ahead of ourselves. I think that the aim is to qualify. You commercially get into the last sixteen is is fan, is amazing. When you think about it, that is that is a marquee player or an extra squad player next summer because it's basically like £20 million, something along those lines. And obviously when you're in the last 16, you, who knows what can happen. You get an easy draw. Teams don't turn up. Like You look at the the state, some of the form that some, like Man City never seems to turn up, do they, in the certain certain seasons and that. So even if you get them, you'd be you'd be wondering. But it's um, these first two games are going to, well, obviously the Porto games are the most key ones, but I think if you go into those games with some points, yeah, things I think that look a lot better than they do if you go in there with zip, and then there's a lot of pressure on that away game in um, in Portugal. Yeah, I I think I just I don't want to come out of that Liverpool game with a a big loss. You know, like they when Liverpool are on it, they can put three or four or even five past any team. And I'm not I'm not just talking about Milan or whatever. Like I'm talking about even Man City on their day, they could probably manage that. Um, but yeah, I, I think. If, if they can sneak a point from Liverpool, and it'd be nice to get three against Atletico Madrid at home, but a point from that as well, that's two points and a chance to get to eight before you get back to the Liverpool and Atletico games again. Um, and that puts you in a really good position then because one win out of those two games, which is achievable. Um, and I think you're probably probably through. I think this group will be so tight. I think I don't I don't see one team running away with it. I think Liverpool beat. AC Milan in week one, they could just as easily lose to Porto in week two. You know, it's it's such a tough group, I think. Yeah, and this is um, I know a lot of people were, I say a lot of people, like obviously you get from, like information from Twitter and stuff like that, and people saying that like what's the point in qualifying for Champions League and stuff? So it's like, oh, this is this is the point. Yeah, you want to get, you want to play these huge teams. I also, I don't see the point. Like as much as it's guaranteed six points if you get Sheriff or. I don't even know if they've qualified, like Bate Borisov, I don't even know if they've qualified this year, for example. But you just go into the Europa League with six points. Like sometimes you want to, I'd rather potentially watch them play at Anfield and then watch Liverpool come to the San Siro and vice versa, especially if we can get tickets. Um, we quite <laughs> yeah, good anyone good knows get, anyone. Get to Anfield and get in, get in touch. I think um, it's just those big European nights, though, like those clashes between massive teams and they're getting in the group stages. They're not having to get to the knockout stage to play against the likes of Liverpool or, or whoever. Um, yeah. So I, I'm it's, excited. It's what we've been fighting to get back for for the last 10 years. You know, we've we've wanted to be reliving those great European nights and with all due respect to Sheriff and the like, playing Sheriff at home isn't a great experience. It's not a it's not one that's going to live in the memory forever. Whereas, you know, turning up and facing Liverpool, who um, we've obviously played in finals on, on, on two occasions, it's just that much more special, and I think, as you said, Andy, you know, if you want to be the best, you got to beat beat the best. You know, you got to push yourself and test yourself against these teams. It's yeah, you know, I think we came out the last season and we were a bit like, oh, we've got we've joined Man United, and we were a bit like, oh, you know, we'd have preferred an easier run. But in hindsight, those games were actually fantastic because they showed how far the team had come. They showed the strength and quality of some of the players. I mean, Kessie came out of that game looking an absolute monster. Um, not to say he wasn't before, but I think it put him. In a, in a sort of an echelon which perhaps he hadn't been thought of as before. I think as so, well, there, there's a bit of snobbery. You mentioned United there. There's certainly a bit of snobbery from English fans. I speak about myself as well before we started doing this last year. Like You have this entrenched view that the English clubs are just so much better. Um, and that was reinforced at times by, I mean, there's the two finals where 
there's like Arsenal and Chelsea and Europa and Liverpool Spurs and Champions League that that does kind of point evidence towards that. But then when you see Milan take on Man United last season, Milan were the better team in both legs and had a goal wrong wrongly ruled out, which would have put them in the lead away from home rather than they were later behind away from home. So, yeah, um, it's exciting. I, I think Milan have a chance. It'll be interesting to see who, who plays in these games because it's going to be hard to do uh, Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, Wednesday, or whatever days you're playing, um, to do that over and over again. But uh, I hope it's taken seriously and I hope a strongest 11 is put out against some of these sides. Um, and it'll be interesting to see where Milan are against the likes of Liverpool. Just looking at the fixtures, um, the the games following the Champions League games. Um, after Liverpool, we've got Juventus, so great. After Atlético, in current form, that'd be an easy victory, though. So. <laughs> well, it's Lazio, Liverpool, Juve. It's like that's yeah. three big games in six but seven days. After Atlético, you've got Atalanta, um, Porto. You've got then got Bologna. The next Porto game, you've got Inter in the derby. Um, but then after the second Atlantic um, Atletico game, you got Sassuolo, and then the final Liverpool game, you got Udinese. So he's going to have to use the squad, and we're definitely going to have to rotate. Um, but fortunately, I think aside from this this first one where it's Lazio, Liverpool, Juve, the games preceding the Champions League games all tend to be fairly winnable, I guess. Um, so probably more in a position to rotate, uh, which obviously stands in good stead for for the Champions League games themselves. I mean, all of the those teams you mentioned, the big teams, they're all Champions League teams as well. So they'll have to, they'll also, it's not like, um, I've, we've been trying to think of like a good comparison, but all the teams, good teams in it, they're in Europe at some point this <laughs> this year. But obviously, um, there's, not have diff- there's not an Arsenal. Yeah. That's what I was thinking yeah. of, basically. <laughs> um, but there's, um, they'll all have difficult midweek games. If it's not yeah. a difficult game, it'll be difficult travel. Yeah. So it's, um, it does even the playing field a little bit um, on that That's one, but true. yeah, I'm extremely excited about this, especially um, the first game. Uh, obviously, everyone knows that. I think even the most hardened, like Everton and Manchester United fans, would be would find it difficult to argue that Anfield in at night time for European games is a special atmosphere. And even if it's just on the TV, that will be fun for all of us to watch. Milan walk out there, and I think that I got. I think Liverpool underestimate underestimate Milan. To be honest, I think that they'll expect to blow them away, and that will um, it'll be an entertaining game. That will be my prediction on that one. But we'll look into that one a bit more depth when it comes. Um, oh, we probably should say as well for these Champions League games, listeners. We're going to be doing very short reviews of these games um, midweek. Of these as well, so we'll probably do 20 minutes as soon as the game's finished, and we'll get that out as soon as possible. So, the Liverpool game's on the 15th, so you'll have a very short podcast a day afterwards to hear about how we've won triumphantly away <laughs> uh, in uh, at Anfield. And then, obviously, and as a result, we won't review that game in the normal podcast that we do at the start of every week. So, something uh, more content for you all, which I'm sure you're really looking forward to. Um, <laughs> Let's get let's finish as we normally do them with predictions, but obviously it's going to be where we're going to finish in the group. Do we? Do you think we're going to win it? Well, it's four four slots. Where do you think we're going to finish and why, Jack? Um, okay, I'll go John. <laughs> go John instead. <laughs> I was just I wanted to get in and be the optimist first, and I I think we're going to come second. Um, I think we're going to go through. I think we'll we'll edge um, probably Atletico. I think um, uh, and. And come second. Spanish champions exiting at the group stage then and obviously winning the Europa League as a result, you'd imagine. <laughs> um, going out there for John. Jack, are you equally optimistic? More uh, optimistic? We're going to win the group? <laughs> uh, I'm going to go for second as well. I am being optimistic there. Um, but I'll go for second. I think, I mean, we've, we've said how hard these teams are. Like, I'm, I'm not going to count my chickens and say we got six points against Porto. But I think that is achievable. And with Atletico and Liverpool playing each other on that mirror, it piles pressure on them if one of them or both of them don't have the points after four games to then go into those last two games and get the points. So uh, I think the fixtures have been kind to Milan in that sense. Um, I'd rather Porto on the mirror than either of the other two. Um, so yeah, I'm going to go second. And being a United fan, I'm going to say at Liverpool's expense. <laughs> that would be terrible. Por- Porto third as well. 
<laughs> yeah, well, that means they'll win the Premier League. So there we go. But um, uh, oh, shit, this yeah. is <laughs> this is so tight. I think um, I think that they'll beat Porto twice. I think Milan are a better team than Porto, and I think they'll beat one of the teams at home to either Atletico or the Liverpool game. So it's it's whether they can pick up any points at Anfield or the the is it the Wanda Metropolitano? Yeah. Um, will be the key because then you're on nine points after, and then any boat like ten points would usually nine nine times out of ten you get through on ten points, wouldn't you? It's gonna be yeah, I, just, I I think in a group like this, like ten or eleven points could almost see you through top. I just think it's gonna be so tight. So I'm gonna I I'm gonna say they're gonna go out in third because I don't want that to happen. I don't want to go in the Europa League, <laughs> but I will caveat that if they get any points at Anfield, they'll go through second. I think that's that will that will be it for me. I think it's um yeah. I think yeah. Fuck it, they're going to go through. They're going to go. They're going to go through. I just think they're going to win it, boys. They, they're going to well, if you get through, Number you never eight. know. But they're going to they're going to underestimate. Um, everyone's going to underestimate Milan just because they're in pot four, and. Uh, Think that's going to work to their advantage. Yeah, and I can def I can see them getting points at Liverpool. You know, I can see them frustrating them. I like obviously, they've... I think if Milan just treat the home games as like the bread and butter here, and just I'm trying to say bread and butter is against Atletico and Liverpool, but if they treat those home games as that we have to get three points, these are the ones we have to win. Anything away from home is then a bonus, and I think you can. I mean, Liverpool and Atletico will be tough. Maybe draws are excellent results there, but Porto certainly, you'd be looking at that and going, we can win away from home there. Um, so yeah, I'm now I've, I've now gone from scraping second to going unbeaten. I just realised. <laughs> <laughs> but the main thing is that we're back, listeners, and it's going to be six great games and brilliant to watch. Um, uh, and it's not um, uh, it's not Thursday Sunday for a change, which would be quite nice. Yeah. So that'll be that'll be very good. But um, that wraps up this episode of. Uh, Three men and Milan listeners will be back as ever next week to round up the closed transfer market once all the dust has settled and we're not going to uh, get anything wrong, essentially. And um, we're going to be joined by a special guest as well. Uh, uh, journalist Jerry Mancini is going to join us as we preview the uh, top of the table clash as uh, Lazio are in town when the international break finishes. Uh, you can follow us on social media. We do have Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Focus on Twitter and Instagram. We've... Um, doing a lot more on Twitter at the moment, so uh, do get involved. And if you're new, please subscribe, leave us a review. It helps getting the show out there and getting more people involved. Uh, Gents, pleasure as always. Thank you very much, Jack. Thank you. And thank you very much, John. Thank you. And thank you for listening. And as always, forza and